All right, we're back on a Young Turks. Uh, lots of great guests for you guys, so let's get right to it. Joining me now is Neera Tandon. She's president for Center for American Progress. They have a new proposal, Medicare Extra for All. We want to find out about it. Neera, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Jenk. All right. So, uh, first thing I want to do is talk about what it is, because it's relatively new, and I want people to find out about it. And then I want to ask you about the difference between that and Medicare for All, etc. So, uh, what does Medicare Extra for All mean? Great. So Medicare Extra for All is a plan that covers uh, everybody. It offers universal coverage. It expands on the Medicare program and ensures that uh, newborns, all seniors, uh, everyone who's uninsured today are auto-enrolled in the new Medicare program, a sort of beefed-up Medicare program. Um, And then ultimately, so basically everyone outside of employer-sponsored coverage today, except for veterans and the VA, goes into the Medicare program and employees and employee who have coverage today and employer sponsored plans can keep their plans if they want to, or they can go into the expanded Medicare plan. So Nir, is it fair to characterize this as a step between what we have now and Medicare for all? You know, I think it's it's a lot more robust than um, just a step between. But uh, you know, so it's not a Medicare option. I should distinguish. There are a lot of candidates who are talking about making Medicare available to everyone, um, but this goes beyond this uh, beyond a Medicare option plan. This makes sure that everyone is covered. So. Uh, coverage will be universal in the United States. And the only the, the kind of major difference between this and Medicare for all is, uh, I mean, there are some differences, but a, a significant difference is that uh, this plan provides uh, people with employer-sponsored coverage uh, the ability to keep their plans. Now, ultimately, you know, and I think where we'd agree with single-payer advocates is that many people may think a Medicare Medicare option or the Medicare plan is better, and so they'll go into it. Um, but this plan gives the choice to the employee. So there's a couple of things that I wanna ask about in regards to that. So you say it's universal coverage. Let me tell you the things that I'm concerned about. Um, Sure. First of all, um, you have a mandate in the program, correct? Yeah, everyone must be covered. Yeah, so if they they choose not to have insurance, then they're going to be, have a fine, is that correct? They, They can't choose not to have insurance. So everyone is auto-enrolled. Uh, every person who doesn't have insurance is auto-enrolled in insurance. So there's no option to not have insurance, right? So a newborn, if you're if, t- if you don't have insurance today, you're automatically enrolled into the Medicare program, and uh, and so uh, we. I mean, there shouldn't be anyone who isn't insured, and that's very similar to the Medicare to Medicare for all, everyone is automatically insured. So then, now, if you have coverage today uh, through your employer, you can keep your coverage. But you know, um, but basically, that's the only uh, only way that you're outside the system or the VA. I should say we keep the current veterans VA system. Right, that part's uh, I understand is clear. So, but I, I want to understand this better. So, let's say I'm mm-hmm. switching jobs and I don't have insurance anymore. Does the government somehow find out? And if I haven't signed up, do they? When do they auto enroll me, and what do they charge me? Yeah. So you are the way it works is um, if you don't have insurance, you have a, a backup plan for insurance, right? So there, you you go into the Medicare plan. Now, 
we we do have a sliding scale premium. So for working class people, uh, low income people, up to 200% of poverty, there are no costs to the system. And then uh, premiums, uh, you do pay a premium uh, depending on your income above that. That does drive uh, the affordability of our plan. So our plan costs a fraction of what single payer plans cost. So you know, if you're a person who's changing jobs and you do, you're uninsured for a while, you have the Medicare plan as your backup. And ultimately, you know, we we haven't nailed down. You know, we have we work on this in the legislation. We figure out a way through the tax code, just like in the ACA, that you pick up premiums. But you can't. You know, our goal and the goal we share with single payer advocates is ensuring that every single person has health care. So, which leads to the next issue. Uh, there's still premiums. And there's mm-hmm. presumably deductibles, obviously, in the private insurance uh, situation that most of the country will still be enrolled in. And 29% of people right now do not pursue treatment because of costs. So I'm very concerned that a third of the country will still not be getting insurance because they're worried about their premiums, deductibles, or other charges that exist in this system. Yeah, so I want to be really clear about this. The Medicare plan that we that we've devised is one that has uh, free preventive benefits, uh, mental health coverage. It's much stronger than the Medicare program itself. Uh, and on, in terms of the issues around uh, premiums, premiums would never be this. This program is much more generous than the Affordable Care Act. So premiums for even the highest earners would never be more than 10% of income. It, my, my take on this, and I think most, most healthcare experts would say, a lot of employees who have uh, subpar coverage today would, would go into this plan. And ultimately, it may be that that this is a better plan than what they're getting. But if they're in a situation where this coverage is... Um, where this, where where they have subpar coverage, or they're worried about affordability, they should. This plan should really be there for them. There shouldn't be anyone at the end of the day who's sacrificing their own coverage because they can't afford it. So, this, Nira, this, th- that's where a lot of my concerns are because sure. it would maintain the current system. It would layer this on top of it. The current system does. Uh, have, like I said, 29% of the country underusing their insurance because they're worried about the costs. It maintains those high costs. There is some bureaucracy in the things that you have to file depending on where your income level is, as you explained. Mm-hmm. So I'm concerned that it'll we're, you would put it out as a progressive option and people will still have the high cost of private insurance that we're not getting rid of because that main that system is maintained overall and still the majority of Americans would be in it and we would layer in bureaucracy and then that frustration would lead to people giving up on the system rather than the clean medicare for all which automatically gives them insurance with no premiums no deductibles etc yeah so there are, that's single payer has no premiums premiums and no deductibles but there are costs associated now we don't know what those costs are because the plans in congress so far haven't spelled out those costs but it's not fair to say that people will not be paying for single payer of course they would you and i both know they'll be paying for it in some version it's not paying through the premium it's paying through the tax and there are a lot of varied estimates about how much people will pay for that having said that you know i absolutely agree 
that healthcare is a universal right. And that's why we tackle it. Now, on the idea of 29% doing this or 29% doing that, um, that's not the system we'll have when we have Medicare Extra for All in America. We have Medicare Extra for All in America. 250 million Americans will be, and in the first phase of this, will be in healthcare. It will be in the Medicare program because you have seniors, you have newborns auto-enrolled, you have the entire individual market, including ACA, CHIP, and Medicaid into the Medicare new Medicare program. So that is a big expansion of coverage, uh, Medicare coverage throughout the country. The only people outside of that system will be some share of employees who currently have health care. Now, they will have that option. If the Medicare program is better for them, they will choose it. Uh, and if it's not, they won't. Large employers will either go into the Medicare program, have their employees go into the Medicare program and pay a share of that, or they'll continue their coverage. At the end of the day, it will be up to the employees, not the employers. So, so I don't think it's fair just to say, I don't think it's fair to compare our plan and say it's like the current system. And, and just to say, I do think we have to wrestle with the fact that 70% of, of Americans currently like their coverage and through them that have employee-based coverage. So, and as you know, uh, there are plenty of universal healthcare systems around the world, Germany, Switzerland, that maintain private coverage, but have strong regulations of it, which our plan absolutely has strong uh, insurance regulations of both, obviously the Medicare program has its own rules, but also private insurance to make sure it's competitive. Yeah, so Nir, there's so much to get to, but let me just sure. uh, address some of the things that you just said. I, I want the audience to be clear, in terms of the coverage, you mentioned earlier that your program is stronger than Medicare. It is does not cover more than Medicare for all, which is different than the current yes, Medicare. absolutely, that is 100% right. I am comparing it, I'm saying it's better than the current Medicare program. You're absolutely right about that. Okay, and then when you get into how, how do you pay for it, the Medicare for all would reduce costs overall. Yes, you would pay higher taxes, but you would not have all the other costs associated. And one of the ways that it reduced costs in every other country is because it gets rid of the needless middleman, which is private insurance, the, the profits, the marketing, the executive pay, etc. So what I'm deeply concerned about is if we take a middle step and you don't get those tremendous cost savings and benefits of Medicare for all, then you're half jumping off a cliff and you get saddled with all the downsides and you don't get to the upsides, which leads to the politics of this situation, Nira. Mm -hmm. Do you think that if so you do Medicare so extra for all politically, that it'll get any Republican votes? Jing, so I just, there were a few assumptions I really want to just tackle and then I'm totally happy to answer, answer the question on Republican votes. One, um, as, as, as I think a lot of, uh, just to say clearly, uh, Germany has a system of universal healthcare that has highly regulated private insurance. Their, their, uh, their administrative costs nationally uh, are around 4%. Japan, similar situation, Switzerland, roughly 4 or 5%, much lower than our administrative costs, much closer to our Medicare administrative costs, and they have highly regulated private insurance markets. So the idea that you cannot, that our system is completely fragmented, we do not have enough regulation, we do not have national regulation of insurance, uh, that leads to large-scale uh, administrative costs. 
Under Medicare for Extra for All, you'd have much lower administrative costs than you have under the current system. So I just need to be clear about that. It is the case that there are low administrative costs in Medicare Extra in, in Medicare for All plans. At the same time, Medicare Extra for All costs to the taxpayer a fraction of what Medicare for All costs. And the reason is that we ensure employers make their contribution to this. We can finance our system on uh, essentially taxes on the wealthy. Uh, you know, the vast majority of taxes raised are taxes on high income earners. That's not the case for Medicare for All. However, I completely respect uh, advocates for Medicare for All. These are just two different visions of how to get there. My own view is that politically, and getting to the politics of this, Medicare Extra for All, our version has support of 74, 75% of Americans because people, a lot of people, want the ability to keep their employer based coverage. Uh, you know, as I said, 70% of people who have employer based coverage today like their plans. So, so we think that is an important thing. And actually, when you ask Democratic voters between being able to keep your insurance or a single payer plan where everyone is in a, a Medicare program, and Medicare is a very popular program. So when you ask those two issues, it's 54-40 amongst Democrats who support a plan like ours. So, but again, I, I want to say yeah. I think these are two different visions of how to get to universal health care. We, I completely right. respect the folks who want uh, single payer plans. I just think it's important for us to recognize that there are multiple ways to get to the goal. And as mm -hmm. internationally, there are systems like Germany, which are still maintain private right. insurance. Okay, Nira, there are systems like the UK that don't. Okay, I, I've got to ask two more questions. And, sure, and sure, a sure. Lot I'm of sorry, I don't mean to go on. I can just walk yeah, out. So on, I, so I apologize I, for going on and on. Right. Okay. And there was a lot of presuppositions there that I, I don't necessarily agree with. And and I'm deeply concerned that it it maintains the costs uh, of of the current system. Okay, but uh, politically, I don't think you're going to get any Republican votes. So compromising from the beginning to me doesn't seem like it's it's a great idea. Medicare for all already polls at seventy percent, so it's already deeply popular. Uh, and and then uh, in your plan, it takes a long time to eventually transition. If we're going to to a complete Medicare for all system, which gives the Republicans a thousand chances to vote to win any elections and undo it, are you also not concerned about that? So, I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding about or, or concerns about single payer. Uh, obviously, the right is concerned about single payer, but in in public uh, in public uh, uh, research and public polls today. Support for single payer drops dramatically. I mean, support for Medicare for all drops dramatically when you tell people that they it would eliminate private insurance. As you know, it drops well below fifty percent when people understand that it that it is ends private insurance. Now, I think a lot of people in America think of Medicare for all, and this is not right. Medicare for all is the the bill itself is single payer. But a lot of people are hearing Medicare for all and thinking it's at, it's uh, you know basically an option for people, which is neither our plan nor Medicare for all itself. So I think there is a dis, a, a misunderstanding about this. The opposite, the concern I have about Medicare for all is not Republican attacks on it. Republicans aren't going to like our plan, and they're not going to like Medicare for all. 
My concern is public opposition, public, the lack of even full democratic support for a plan that doesn't have, that, that eliminates private insurance. Because there are people, he, again, the employer based system right now. And so I'm worried about that public opposition, not Republican opposition. I do think our plan has more Republican support than a single payer plan, but that is not the reason. I don't think our plan yeah. is something Republicans are gonna buy off on. I think our plan is something that has greater public support as registered by current polls of Medicare for all, which are at 50% or less, right. or no, well, around 50% or slightly more. Today no, there was a morning yeah, console just, poll Nira, that showed it was 50%. Nira, I think that's a huge misnomer because they say, well, if you tell people you're gonna lose your private insurance, the polling drops. Yes, but if you told them you're gonna have insurance that's better, and that doesn't have premiums or deductibles, the numbers would go back up. But they, no, no, they <laughs> say, they say, just to be clear about this in the polling, I totally hear you. In the polling, it says ends private insurance, but has Medicare, which is a very popular brand for people. There, everyone goes into Medicare. So, you, I mean, no polling question is perfect. But I, 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 regardless of the polls, I think there is a, a public concern about people losing the healthcare plan that they've already relied on. All right, super last thing is really easy question. It's just a simple, does it cover, does Medicare Extra for All cover undocumented immigrants? Our, our plan, this is something we're working on with Congress. Our plan hasn't covered undocumented, but that's something we're working on with Congress. Undocumented people, but that's what we're working on with Congress. Okay, Neera Tandon, uh, President for Center for American Progress. Thank you so much for coming on and explaining this and having a discussion about it, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, uh, there's madness in uh, West Virginia, as there usually is. Uh, and uh, they are now uh, considering sanctioning a Democrat who stood up for Ilhan Omar. Uh, Richard Ojeda is gonna come on to talk about that. We'll be right back. All right, back on the Young Turks. Uh, joining me now is uh, a one Richard Ojeda, uh, and we're gonna discuss uh, Crazy stuff going on in West Virginia. Richard, uh, welcome back to the program. Hey, what's going on, Jenks? Thanks for having me back. Uh, no problem. So, uh, first of all, uh, you were the first one to point out to me, at least, that uh, uh, there was a poster of Ilhan Omar uh, next to the 9 11 uh, bombings of the World Trade Center. Uh, and it was uh, in an area sanctioned by the Republicans in West Virginia. And, and uh, uh, and the poster said, you said you wouldn't forget, uh, but you have forgotten and showed Ilhan Omar as a congresswoman. So uh, before we get to Mike Caputo and what might happen to the Democrats who were not happy about that poster and the great, I mean, you wanna talk about an injustice. Anyway, before we get to that, I wanna first understand how is that area connected with the Republican Party? Like, is are they the ones that allow for permits there? Not, you know, not allow for permits. What did what did that woman who had that racist poster have to do with the Republicans? Well, every single day during the session, it, every day has a theme, and that day was West Virginia GOP Day. So everything that was out there on display was approved by the you know the, the Republican Party. And the thing is, is that all the Republicans had walked past these displays and never said a thing about it. Uh, and you know, when a Democrat walks by it and sees it and and becomes infuriated with it, 
uh, obviously, you know, it's 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 no big deal uh, uh, to to the Republican Party and the members in the state of West Virginia. And the sad thing is, is it's it's a double standard that we have. Uh, and and I will tell you that you know this double standard is blatantly obvious to everybody out there. You know, we recently had a Republican uh, a delegate show up to a committee meeting drunk, and other Republican members actually escorted this person out. And there's also talk that this exact same delegate has also said very sexual inappropriate comments to a female staffer. Uh, We have last year a Republican delegate who had given his swipe card and and to a a coal lobbyist who had carried it for, for a long time, had always used it to get in and out of our capital. That's a security breach because he didn't think that that lobbyist should have to get in line like everybody else and go through the security checks. And then, of course, now we have uh, you know Republican Porterfield, who refers to everybody in the LGBTQ community as basically being the same as the KKK. And nothing has been done. Nothing is being done about any of this. But yet, you know, you have a Democrat that becomes infuriated because he sees this garbage and he knows that that garbage was approved. So he kicks in the door. And yes, he's apologized. The door hit a, a student. Uh, you know, the student come out of it with the bruise, but the Republicans not only removed him from his committee assignments, but now they're even wanting to do more with one Republican saying that he's going to have every bill read in its entirety because he's mad because nothing more has been done. But how come nothing has ever been done with these other Republican delegates who have done what they've done? You know, I can tell you that as a senator last year, we almost had a brawl on the Senate floor because a Republican senator said F-U-M-F-er to another uh, senator. Uh, And once again, nothing has ever been done. No one gets uh, disciplined unless you're a Democrat right now in the state of West Virginia. So uh, I wanna give a little bit more context here. So uh, Richard not only ran for Congress and we covered him a lot during that campaign, briefly ran for president, but also was a state senator in West Virginia. So he knows all about this and he knows the history of it. Etc. And so, um, uh, you know, I didn't know that it was Republican Day, uh, so it's hard to say it's not connected to the Republicans if it was on Republican Day, uh, okay, in, in the state house. And so, and I, I want to get this right: Did any Republican get sanctioned for allowing that poster and that hate speech on on that day inside the state house, or no, no, no one got punished for that at all? Not at all, you know, but once again, it's, it, it doesn't surprise me. You know, the chairwoman of the Republican Party, Melody Potter, is the one who basically said that my military retirement is a government handout. And she's also photographed with that exact same woman uh, that had that display up where, you know, previously she had been at an event with that woman and actually photographed with her. So, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's a double standard. It's blatantly obvious. And you know it's going to continue that way because you know they happen to be the powers that be. But it's not right for them to try to uh, you know discipline uh, 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 de- you know Delegate Caputo because he become infuriated because of the things that he had seen and the things that he had saw them walk past. Once again, like always, never walk past something that you know is wrong and fail to make comment. For if you do, you have accepted a lower standard. He wasn't going to accept that lower standard, but apparently the rest of them have no problem with it. Yeah, um, so the government handout that you're getting, I believe was what for risking your life on 
was it 12 different tours? I've, I've got uh, multiple combat deployments under my belt. I've spent 24 years in the military. I've been I've been in IEDs, VBIEDs. I've been in you know small arms fire, you name it. And I was a combat soldier. But of course, the thing is, is everybody loves the veteran until the veteran decides to, to, to come back home and stand up against the, the powers that be. And then it's villainize the veteran. You know, I was swift boated, which is exactly what happened to me. Yeah, and so they have no shame. Say they have the nice bumper stickers about support the troops. Then you come back and you get you know payment for your service, and they go, "Oh, government handout." Oh, come on! And so it wasn't big government when they started the Iraq War, but it's big government when they actually pay you what they what they owe you. It's preposterous. That's right, exactly. But I want to get back to Caputo for a second. So what I did like out of this whole mess, though, Richard is. A lot of Democrats in West Virginia showed a lot of fight there. I thought maybe it was just you, but maybe there's something in the water in West Virginia where it was refreshing to see so many legislators in West Virginia say we're not going to accept bigotry against a Muslim American. Absolutely, you know, I could sit here and I could name off numerous legislators in West Virginia that are absolutely phenomenal. Mike Caputo is literally one of the most amazing leaders that we have in the state. You know, Tim Miley, Sean Fluharty, Ed Evans. These are people that, you know, I know, I work with, Bob Beach. Once again, I could just continue naming folks. And these are people that will stand up for what's right. The problem is, is that we've got far too many people, even on the Democrat side, that say, you know, I can't go against this because if I do, they're gonna attack me. You have no fear of being attacked if you are standing up for what is right. I have no problems being attacked if I'm standing up for what is right. So now I want to circle all the way back around to Caputo one more time because I want clarity on this too. So he sees the poster, he's very upset. What happens next? I know that there's some yelling and then the door. What what happened there, Richard? Well, uh, there was a female uh, person that, that hold, you know opens and closes the door. Uh, and apparently that female had actually stated, well, it's true, they are, all Muslims are terrorists, which once again, that's unacceptable. I don't care who you, you know, if you feel that way, then you are the most uneducated person that we have out there. And you should not be working in our state capital. Uh, you know, it was those things right there that absolutely infuriated him. He kicked the door open. And the thing is, is they're really trying to, to really, you know, amplify it and make it seem like it's far worse. They've even so much as said that, well, it, it's a special needs child. Well, from what I'm hearing, the family is quite agitated about, you know, their child being referred to as that. Uh, but once again, they're saying that he broke ribs. It's really a bruise, you know. But once again, they're just trying to, they're trying to villainize the Democrat because he stood up and he, he wasn't going to sit by and allow that to get, you know, to go on. So what was the extent of his punishment so far? Well, he was removed from his committee assignments. And once again, the Republicans were even wanting to do more. Like I'm assuming what they're trying to do is actually remove him as a delegate. And I believe that now they're kind of starting to realize that, you know, we're not going to do that. Uh, but I still believe that as of right now, he has still been removed all of, uh, off of all of his committee assignments, which means that the people who elected him to be their voice no longer have him on a committee being able to speak. And that's, you know what, that's not the way that you discipline somebody. Don't take away their constituents' voice.
You know, if you want to discipline somebody, I don't care, make it a fine or something like that. Make somebody give public apologies, but don't be removing people off of their assignments. And that seems what to be what the Republican Party in West Virginia does. They've even done that to other Republicans that do not vote the way that they want. And that's exactly what they do. We had one Republican that challenged the Speaker of the House uh, and, 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 uh, in the last session, and they removed him from all of these committee assignments. So, Richard, it appears to me, I'm going to summarize here. That um, the people who did the bigotry, sanctioned the bigotry, uh, approved the bigotry, got no consequences. Uh, the person who was upset about the bigotry was thoroughly punished. Exactly. It's the double standard. And we yeah. see it every single day in West Virginia. And you know what? We're better than that. You know, we have a wonderful state. We have a lot to offer. But right now, you know, it, this, is, this is what we have right now in this state, and it's unacceptable. Yeah, and I mean, I, let me just tell you this. I want to say this real quick. Before the midterms, our governor stood on a stage and all of the Republicans got behind him. And he promised that if they were able to reelect those people standing behind him, they were going to give the teachers and school service personnel another 5% raise and give $100 million towards PEIA insurance. And let me tell you something. They got reelected. And the first thing they did was through charter schools, they threw uh, 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 union busting uh, uh, bills on top of it. And in the end, everything was killed, but also the, the pay raise and the 100 million for PEIA was killed. So the teachers got nothing. So once again, that's the thing. These people will use underhanded tactics to get where they are. And it's just, it's sad, sad. We can't accept that. We, uh, I cannot accept that. Yes, and uh, so. <laughs> So uh, I got to summarize here because we're out of time. But uh, let me also note the hypocrisy of Donald Trump and the rest of the Republicans uh, celebrating uh, Montana uh, Congressman Gianforte for body slamming a reporter, which was an assault, and saying that he's a tough guy. But Caputo uh, knocks in the door because he's upset about bigotry. And they're like, "Oh my God, that's outrageous, and we got to sanction him. It, it exactly. never ends with Republicans on hypocrisy. And uh, but I, I want to thank you for fighting back and, and all the good folks in West Virginia uh, who've got fellow Americans backs on this and, and it's deeply appreciated. So Richard uh, Airborne. Airborne, thanks Jake. All right, appreciate it. Um, so uh, out of time, we got a half a 20 to 30 minutes uh, more to go uh, for the members. And in that we're gonna talk about uh, how uh, Anna was right about housing uh, and that's gonna be painful for me and great for her. And then I've got some trippy observations about housing as well on top. So if you're a member, please check that out. And then we got old school later tonight. Check that out as well if you're a member. If you're not, a good time to sign up now is you can get a free week, tyt.com slash trial, and you get all of our shows. Thank you. We'll see you there.